someone who is a giver, an outpouring, more, more like Christ, more and more like Christ every day. And so it starts by expressing what brings us together. And, uh, and so verse 1 here, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. So in verse 1 here, these ifs it sometimes could be translated or would be more accurately translated since. They're not, it's not like an if statement, well, if this happens as a possibility, but it's since, like these are absolute certainties that we have here in Christ. The only big if is, are we in Christ? Are we a believer? Once you are a believer, these four things that he outlines here, encouragement from being united, uh, comfort from his love, fellowship with the Spirit, uh, tenderness and compassion, those four things, we have those in Christ if we are a believer, if we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then we have these things. It's not a, well, if you have this, but since we have this as believers... Okay, And so we're going to look at those four things, and I want us to realize how good we have it being with Jesus. We have it so good with Him. So good. And so, uh, the, the, uh, if you look at John chapter 15, uh, it, it kind of expands on this idea of how we are to be in Christ and abide in Him or remain in Him. John 15, 9 through 11, Jesus says to His disciples, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed in my Father's commands, remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so these are our foundations for spiritual unity. The first thing there, encouragement from being united with Christ. And, and the encouragement, the word encouragement here is, more, is, is like being alongside of us uh, to console or to exhort. Uh, paraclete is the Greek word. Same root word when, when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is called the advocate. Uh, someone who comes alongside. Someone who is there uh, speaking on our behalf. Uh, John fourteen twenty six. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Coming alongside, or literally call to one side. Advocate. Uh, sometimes you might hear this word interchanged with lawyer uh, or attorney. Uh, and, you know, sometimes lawyers get a bad rap, but I tell you what, there are a few times in my life when I was really glad I had a lawyer, uh, and we won't get into the why of that, uh, <laughs> but it is very comforting to know when you need a lawyer to have one right alongside you who knows what's going on with court proceedings and things like that, to have that advocate, and so that's the Holy Spirit, or that's, that's God alongside of us. He is our advocate. He is the one who is encouraging us. Uh, and we are united with him in that. So that first thing, encouragement from being united with Christ. And it, it brings to mind the story in Luke chapter 24. And I want to turn there, and then we're going to turn back to Philippians. So 24, it's not going to be up on the screen, I don't think. Uh, but 24, chapter, chapter 24, verses 13 through 29. And it is uh, the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they, they are just downcast. They are discouraged. Jesus had just been crucified, and they're, they're hearing rumors of his body being taken away or gone. The, the women had gone to the tomb and discovered that he was not there. Where did he go? They're discouraged. And chapter 24, verse 13, we pick it up. Um, now, the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
They were talking with, with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. That's the idea there, walking alongside. Jesus is walking alongside these disciples. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you, do, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one living in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? In other words, where have you been? Uh, what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took, took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And so you kind of get the feeling that these disciples are just, you know, woe is us. What are we going to do now? Our ruler is gone, and... Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. We thought he was going to come in and take over Israel and gonna, we're gonna, everything's going to be great. But here we are. The rulers took him, crucified him. And, you know, now what? They're discouraged. They're down. All the while, Jesus is walking alongside them. They did not recognize this. And so in verse 25, Jesus responds, How foolish you are now and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And, then, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And they approached the village to which they were going. Jesus acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went and stayed with them. Okay, we're going to stop there and back into Philippians, continuing on with chapter, uh, verse 1. But I want to... Stop there and think about the disciples and how they did not recognize Jesus walking alongside them yet, and they were discouraged and down and that sort of thing. So, the the fact though that that Jesus or that Paul is writing to the Philippians here and telling them that that God is alongside us, he, we have that encouragement in Christ, and we need to realize that as believers and recognize Him walking alongside of us every day of our life. The the disciples here didn't recognize it. Do we recognize Jesus? walking alongside of us, encouraging us, being our advocate, being the one who is there for us. Um, and so, so that's the first thing. Second thing, um, any comfort from his love. And the word comfort here is similar to paraclete, paramithian, same root, para, means near or alongside. And it, it, the, the love here that God has for us, the comfort from his love, is meaning nearness or by one side. And in other words, his love for us and it is experienced up close in our hearts. It's not some far off theory or intellectual deduction. Oh yeah, God loves us. It's you know way out here and we know that, whatever. No, it's right here. It's so close, closer than we can imagine that God is right there. His love for us is something we experience and know deep within our hearts. Do we have that? Do you have that love? Do you recognize God's love for you in your heart? Not just something in your head, but in your heart. Do we recognize that? And then also, uh, as it continues on, he says, in any fellowship with the Spirit. And, do, and, and the third thing here, I, I wrote down, he hears us. And I want to re- say that when we have fellowship with each other, and when we have fellowship with, the, with Jesus, it's a recognition. 
fellow in common, communion. We have communion together, and, and we, it brings us together. We have a common language. Jesus hears us. We hear him, just as it is in John 10, 14 to 16, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen, but I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So there's a familiarity, familiarity is that right? Uh, with, the, with the Father, and we recognize his voice. Um, and, and, you know, elk come to mind right now. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea why. It's it, actually, since I've been in Estes Park, I've seen one or two. Um, especially now. Um, I, I, actually, I think there were more people watching the elk than there were elk yesterday. Uh, but it, they're a fascinating animal. And I was thinking, okay, I see elk, and then I see deer. We actually saw a herd of deer this morning on our way to church. And, but I never see them together. Do they ever intermingle? You ever? I don't think so. I think, uh, in fact, I was talking to a guy yesterday, a, a ranger who... I asked that very question because I knew I might talk about this this morning. Uh, do they ever intermingle? They just kind of ignore each other. So an elk, if he's, if he's calling out to the other elk, you, you've heard that noise, right? That I'm not going to try and imitate it. I might scare some people. Uh, and the other elk hear him and they come running, right? Uh, they don't talk to the deer. The deer don't recognize that. You know, they hear the elk bugling and probably just, you know, what is that annoying thing? Uh, get away from me. Uh, and so the, but the idea here is there's a fellowship among the elk, fellowship among the deer. They recognize each other. They know, hey, we're with each other. We're, we're familiar. And, and so that it, that's what it is in the body of Christ. First of all, we have a familiarity with Jesus. He communicates with us. We hear him. He hears us. And when we have the Spirit of God in our lives, we have that fellowship with the Spirit. And so that's the third thing, that, that he hears us. And he is along side of us and then fourthly here in verse one he has compassion on us and this phrase again is referring to the heart it is believed that that the gut or the bowels uh, of the person was where the seat of mercy was and so the the word here is an inner gut or bowels that have that the compassion is is there and it's it's a deep-seated uh, movement of the gut i keep saying gut um but you get the idea that Jesus feels for us. He sees us and has that compassion for us that is deep-seated. And it's, it's huge that he has that for us. It, and this, this is amazing stuff. Look at what God has given us. Um, he, he's come alongside of us. He is loving us close. And he hears us. We hear him. And, and he has compassion on us. Those four things. So Paul is saying, since we have this stuff, since we have this, okay, how awesome. Let's stop. I want to stop right there, and I want to make sure that we all recognize what Christ has for us and, and, and have it bring us together. I want us to stop and make sure we are connected with the Father. We, are, we know that Jesus is alongside of us. We recognize that no matter what it is. And, and what better way to bring us together, bring us close and connected to the Father, but then also uh, when we continue on in verse 2, we're going to look at how we connect with each other. And we are, what better way than to celebrate communion together? So if Carrie is going to come up, play a little um, thing on the piano while we celebrate the Lord's Supper. So if everyone would just take a minute, a quiet minute, to pray to God and say, Lord, 
I am so thankful you are near me, you are beside me, and that you love me, that you have compassion on me, and, I, and, and to know that you have that in your life. Perhaps you are not a believer yet. Perhaps you, you have no idea what I'm talking about, and this does not make any sense to you. Well, today could be the day where you say, yes, I want to understand. I want to have that connection with the Father. I want to know Jesus. And this could be the moment where you say yes to, to the Lord and, and find his salvation. So if that is you, I encourage you to pray that. Um, and we are going to celebrate communion together. So take a minute to pray as I get ready down here. It's incredible. And, and to, to just know that, that he is so close and so near and so compassionate towards us, even when we mess up, even when we fail, even when we trip up, even when we don't recognize that he's there, he is. And so as we move on in verse 2, just remember that that's what we have in Christ, and that is our foundation. And when we recognize that and have that and know that he is our strength, that he is our source, then we don't need to be needy. We don't need to go to other people and try and see what we can get we can become an outpouring because we have all we need in Christ. All we need is there in Him. And we go and we be an outpouring. So that's what Paul is saying here in verse 2. He says, Since you have all of this, now then, verse 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. And so uh, also in, verse, in Romans chapter 15, to kind of back that scripture up, uh, Verse 5 through 7 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, that with one heart and mouth you may glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring, bring praise to God. So now, moving from our connection with God to now connecting with others and being unified through being in an outpouring. If everybody is an outpouring, if everybody is a giver, what happens? Anybody? No, the answer to that? I didn't hear. Someone whispered something. Everyone's giving, everyone's receiving, therefore everyone's needs are met. Right? I mean, yes, we do need each other, uh, but we don't need to be needy. We don't need gimme, 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 because we have the Father. And so if we're all in outpouring, if we're all pouring into each other's lives, everyone's needs are met. And that's the ideal. That is what God has designed in his church to be. And so Paul here, make my joint complete. Be like-minded. Come alongside each other. We are walking life together with the same mission, same heart. We come alongside each other and be advocates for one another and, and be there for each other. Coming alongside and say, hey, you need some help. You need some prayer. You need... You know, whatever, whatever your need is, I will come alongside you and be there for you. Uh, and then number two, to love each other. Uh, sacrif- the, the idea is the sacrificial love, laying down our lives for each other, just as Christ laid down his life for us. Uh, three, listen to each other. Just as Christ hears us and we hear him, we have that familiarity. We are familiar with each other. There's kind of a kindred spirit among believers. And, and if, if you know Christ, you, know, you should know what I'm talking about. That, that we, when we, we understand each other, we hear each other. And we, so we need to listen to what others are saying, hear their hearts. And sometimes it might not be the exact words that they're saying, but you might sense something that is, is wrong or something that is in need, and you can go to them and be there for them. Um, and and it, it is such a lost art today to be a listener, right? 
we, I, I'm guilty of this just as much as anybody, just want to say what I want to say. And, and while I'm listening to someone else, I'm not really listening, but thinking about the next thing I'm going to say. Anyone ever else, else guilty of this? No? Okay, we're laughing so as if we all have this problem, okay? Uh, that's okay. We're all in it together. We're all striving to be better. So let's be better listeners. Let's, let's focus on what they're saying, actually, and then we can respond accordingly rather than just trying to think of all the wise things that we have to say, uh, but hear each other. And how great it is to be heard, isn't it? To know that somebody is listening to what you are saying and then responding accordingly. So let's be listeners. Really try to hear and understand each other. And then fourth, be compassionate to each other. And that's that inward, that deep-seated movement that, that Jesus has for us, we can have for each other. And, and find, find that, that deep-seated heart for each other. And, you know, so it's, it's a matter of, wow, trying to, trying to be in someone else's shoes. Wow, what are they going through right there? Let me try and understand it. Let me, let me try and feel what they are feeling. And perhaps if you've gone through something similar, it's easier to do that. But even, so, even not, even if it's not something that you've gone through, we can still be there in compassion for somebody and, and working together with these other things, coming alongside them, loving them, and listening to them. So we do those four things uh, for each other as a body of Christ. We will be united, will we not? Uh, Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be a giver. Don't be like Bob. Right? <laughs> gimme, gimme, gimme. I need, I need. Um, and so, continuing on, verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And here he is kind of solidifying the idea of not being a taker. Selfish ambition actually means to be, an elect, be electioneering or, or courting popular applause. It's, it's the idea that I'm going to not worry about what other people are feeling or doing, but I'm going to look out for myself and I'm going to have me first and I'm going to uh, just trample over whoever I need to trample over to get to the top electioneering, uh, and approaching life with a me-first agenda. How does this whole situation affect me? What am I going to get out of it? And, and this type of attitude will only do harm to the unity of the church. We can't be that way. We can't have a selfish ambition or selfish agenda going into becoming a part of the body of Christ. We've got to go into it thinking, what can I contribute? What can I do to make it better, to make it more unified? We have to lay aside, in humility, lay aside our own selfish ambition, our own agenda, and, and, and come together with the same mission, and that is the calling that God has given all of us, and that is to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And, and when we are unified, when we are doing all of this, the world will see something different. They'll say, wow, look at those people. Why are they not looking out for themselves, individuals? And, and this is something that, that is prevalent in our society today that is taught almost as, as a good thing to be looking out for yourself and to be an individual who can con conquer the world. And there's nothing wrong with success, but it, it, there's something wrong with it when it's at the expense of somebody else. We can't, we can't trample on other people to, to rise to the top. We can't do that. 
as Christians, we are looking out for each other and, and we are uh, being a, a giver and we are not uh, being selfish. And selfishness is toxic to unity and we need to realize that and make sure that we are not coming in with an agenda. Um, James 3.16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. We are called to lay our lives down for one another, to look at others' interests first. Uh, I always come back to sports. I love sports. And the one sport that is so unselfish is soccer. And because I've been coaching these kids, and the idea, what I'm always trying to hound into them is pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball. Don't try and be the hero. Don't try and dribble it into five other kids and think that you're going to come out on the other end and score a goal. It hardly ever works unless you are just the most incredible soccer player out there. Uh, even, even the great soccer players will not be able to, uh, well, I mean, I guess I've seen it happen where they get through five guys and it's just, wow. What, uh, but the idea is pass and pass and pass and, and don't be the hero, but be an unselfish player and try and get someone open and then finally score a goal, Right? That's the idea here, to give the glory away. Don't be a glory hog. Uh, it, it, it's not good. Uh, and then another example of sports, I, I happen to be a 49er fan, and um, that's okay, you know, <laughs> at least it's not the Chiefs or the Raiders or anything like that, right? Uh, but they have, 49ers have one of the greatest running backs of all time right now, Frank Gore, and yeah, don't try and debate me on this because it's true. <laughs> he, every time he has a good game, a great game, he gets interviewed. And, and when they ask him, you know, how did you do so great, whatever, he always says, hey, I just give credit to my offensive line and, and gives the glory away. Doesn't take the glory for himself. And that's an example of not being a glory hog. Even though he did a lot of great things there, he didn't have to get the attention and get the glory. And, and he gave it all away to his O-line. And that, actually, when a team is unified, that is what they always are saying. They're always giving the credit away to other players, whatever, whatever sport it might be. And so, same thing with the body of Christ as a church. Give the glory away. Don't, don't try and, you know, say, well, you know, great job doing this and that. Oh, well, you know, I'll give the credit over here. Or give the credit over here. Ultimately, it's God working through us. So all the credit goes to him ultimately. So who are we to take any glory? Uh, but but to, to lift him up and in so doing, lift each other up. Uh, Romans twelve sixteen, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And so this is how unity happens, to be givers. We all need each other, but we can't be needy. Here's how it works. Everyone is looking out for everyone else. Everyone's needs will be met. So as the worship team comes down, prayer partners come over here, uh, just take this time to just really, first of all, celebrate what we have in Christ, but then think of ways that we can become more of an outpouring into other people's lives and and what we can do to, to... you know, just be, come together more and more and unify. And if there are anything, anything in our lives that might cause disunity, just give that over to the Lord and say, Lord, take this. And, and you know, I know it's going to cause problems, but take this selfish ambition. Take this, uh, this, this heart issue that I have. Take this needy thing that I have and give it over to you, Lord, and find your completeness in him. And so 
let's, uh, let's all stand together and sing to the Lord and, and, and just really celebrate. If you need prayer, please come down and pray with our prayer partners. They're there for you to lift up uh, whatever needs you have. Yeah.